this is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or a discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. How's everybody doing today? Are we excited that we're in church? There we go. That's what I like to hear. It's good to be here. Good to be with a community of believers. Um, so we're in Acts 3 today. We're actually going to do a whole chapter. Uh, they've entrusted me with a whole chapter. Can you believe that? Not just a couple of verses. Thank you, by the way. So I'm having, just to tell you all, I'm having a little slight vertigo. So hence why the, we'll see how this goes. So, um, but that doesn't mean, whoop, no, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> So we're in Acts, and I, uh, I'm, I'm as excited as I've been to preach through something in a while, to the point I think I said to Matt on Monday, I said, hey, I'm ready to preach it now. And he's like, well, you got to wait till Sunday. I go, I understand, but I'm ready to preach it now. So uh, I think God's given me a lot of things to share, and um, it's, it's neat how the Lord works. He's given me some really cool memories of my, my parents and my family and so forth. So... Um, why don't you bring up that first picture for me? So this is my father, was, was my dad. Uh, no, he did not fight in the Revolutionary War. Um, even though everybody thought that when I was in elementary school, did your dad fight? I'm like, that would mean he's 150 years old. Um, so my dad was a military historian for the National Park Service. Um, and because of his knowledge with the Park Service and doing museums and so forth, they asked him to head up the bicentennial in 1976. He came up with a thing called um, People of 76. They did a traveling tour. But specifically, he was asked to do Yorktown. And if anybody knows history about Yorktown, 1781, uh, battle took place in the September, ended at the beginning of October. So he was in charge of heading that up. Roughly about 5,000 reenactors on the American side, 3,000 uh, reenactors on the British side. They had French ships come in the whole day. I mean, it was a big deal. President Mitterrand was there from France. Whoever the, um, it's not, a thick, who knows, came from England. Sorry, I can't remember. I think Reagan was there. It was, it was a big deal. It was, it was a really big deal. So dad said to me, he said, what I'd like to do is, you know, I'm in seventh grade, I want to pull you out of school. Matt, if I get pulled out of school, I'm excited, right? Yeah, you know how I feel. Okay, so I'm excited. Okay, so we go to the, my history teacher, um, and Dad says, I want to pull William out of school. He's going to do living history with us with almost 10,000 other reenactors. And my history teacher was like, eh, I'm not really sure about that. Dad's like, he's going to be living out history. He's going to feel it. He's going to taste it. He's going to smell it, the whole deal. So the history teacher said, so what I want you to do then is you've got to come back and you've got to teach a segment on the Battle of Yorktown. Me? No problem. I'll, I'll do that. We go to Yorktown, and to this day, I still remember those smells and those tastes and so forth. Whenever I smell gunpowder, I think of all the reenacting Dad did with the 1st Maryland Regiment. If you want to do the next slide. So Dad had a group of about 250 to 300 guys. My dad was in the military at one point, so he wanted to do a reenacting group that was the best of the best, and that's what they ended up becoming. So they were the bicentennial group. 
uh, used to march in all the parades and all that kind of stuff for the president and so forth. But anyway, so to this day, I remember everything about it. The sights, the smells, the taste. I can still, to this day, I can still, uh, the taste of um, like uh, beef stew done in a kettle over top of a campfire. That taste, it's like you can't, can't produce that on the stove, okay? So when it was over, Dad said to me, are you ready? I went, of course I'm ready. He goes, no, 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 Are you ready? I said, what do you mean? He goes, William, you have just lived for, I don't know, five, six days in a tent. You were a drummer. I was in, a, uh, in the drum part, 100 drummers, 200 fifers. It was unbelievable. He said, you just lived this out. You got to eat on campfire, the smell of the gun, the whole deal. He said, are you ready? And I went, yeah, I think I'm ready. He goes, what are you ready for? I said, I'm ready to tell the story. Ready to tell the story of what I just saw. Ready to get people excited for history. So here's my question to you all. Are you ready? Are you excited and ready to tell of the good news of Jesus Christ? Anybody here living in the power of Jesus, right? So I want you to think about that as, as we go through Acts 3. It's a great, great chapter. And yes, the other pastors gave me the softball. It's an easy one to preach because it preaches itself. Okay? But I want to point out some things to you. I want to point out some things that mean something to us. And I hope I make much of Jesus today. Because without him, this passage ain't here. Right? So it's about just the wonderful power in the name of Jesus, we're going to hear Peter say, in the name of Jesus Christ. So again, let's open up to Acts 3, and we'll dive in. So I'm going to read the first 10 chapters to you, um, and then we're going to do a little verse-by-verse, verse, look at some key points and so forth. So I'm just going to read it, because I, I think it's good to hear Scripture read in full. So, so now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you... In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong, so he jumped up and started to walk and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. How cool is that? All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple, so they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened. Are you ready? Think about it. So think about Peter and John in that first verse. They said he was walking up to the temple. They, they were walking up to the temple. We go about our days so much like cattle, right? It's like, 
We brush our teeth, we get in the shower, we read our scripture, we go to work, we come home, we eat dinner, we sit in front of the TV, we go to bed. We get in these habits. My dad used to use this term, keep your head on a swivel. Taught me that when I was driving. Just pay attention to everything going on around you. I don't know what Peter and John were thinking here, but I know for them it was probably just another day, right? Walking up to the temple, 3 o'clock for prayer. But God had something in store for them and in store for the person that they were going to encounter. So on Wednesday, Paul, thank you again, Paul, for teaching the students. We went through uh, Revelation 3, 1 through 6, and it was that idea of be alert. So here's what I'd say to you right off the bat. Are you ready and are you alert? Are you looking for those ministry opportunities? So verse 2, a man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate so that he could beg from those entering the temple. Your translations might say a lame man or a crippled man. A lame man, is, the, the word actually is referring to feet. Your feet not working. No, I'm not talking about being out in the yard all day and you get inside and you're tired. Okay, your feet are still working. They're just not working great at the moment. This man could not walk. We learn in Acts 4.22 that we believe he's probably over 40 years old, which means he had been begging at that temple gate for probably close to 30 years. Anybody by chance been in this church for 30 years? There we go. Think about the same guy outside that door for 30 years begging. Think about the idea of walking past him. Past him. Think about the idea of back then they saw physical issues as being some moral or character problem. That the reason they were lame was God was... Um, putting them in some type of shackles or prison of, you know, you're not doing what I want you to do, so I'm going to make you lame. I mean, they thought those things. So think about how they must have felt walking by, by that guy. So think again of walking by somebody outside these doors for 30 years. Okay? Verse 3 through 5. When we saw Peter and John about to enter the temple... Uh, when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them expecting something for them, from them. So I think about the disciples back then. He was asking probably the wrong guys for money, right? Probably not a lot. But what they were getting ready to do, what the Lord was getting ready to do through them would be life-changing I think one of the other things that's pretty neat is, look at the change in Peter. Peter, back in the day, denying Jesus, kind of afraid to say that he was with him. And now he's walking up to people with boldness and saying, look at me, look at us. Kind of a life change there for Peter, too. 
the beggar gave them a, uh, some attention, and he was probably expecting some special generosity today. I would say God was forcing the three of them into a ministry opportunity. Are you ready? Are you paying attention? Are you looking around you for what the Lord's given you in ministry opportunities? Keep thinking those things. Verse 6, but Peter said to him, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now get up and walk. Instantaneously. Think about how that guy must have felt. This lame man had expected currency or some form of money. But instead, Peter and John, through the power of Jesus Christ, gave him something he didn't expect. Not through their own power. Let me make it clear. Not through their own power, but through the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. He got up and walked, and just like that. It's not specific. It's not the specific use of the name of Jesus that heals the lame man. It's the source of that power. Don't hear... Don't leave here thinking that that's what it, that it's the name. It's the name that's attached to that power, to that person, and so forth. So verses 7 and 8. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. That must have just been so cool to see that. So he jumped up and started to walk, entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. The miracle took place instantaneously. The muscles on his feet became strong. It's no other way than to say it's a miracle. But I think what's neat is, so look at Peter and John being the church. Are you ready to be the church? So instead of them just having that miracle, being able to see that miracle take place, they actually help him up. So often, I think at times, we kind of see something happen and we move forward, but they waited. They helped that man up. And when they helped him up, his feet became strong and he was able to walk. Once they assisted him, the lame man became strong. Once he became strong, he jumped, walked, and went into the temple leaping and praising. When God has done something amazing for you, what is your first reaction? Right? It's got to be praise. I think at times, we want to take credit for ourselves, right? It is the power of Jesus Christ. Luke does not say whether the man was healed specifically in this verse. But I believe what we can see later on in verse 16 suggests that the man had come to faith. And there's also another phrase in there that we're going we're gonna to tackle before we leave, too. How could you not experience what Jesus has done and not turn towards him? Think about it. He went into the temple praising God, giving evidence that he was a new creation. So verse 9 and 10 and this part of the passage here. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the, at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment in what had just happened to him. 
Again, to my people that have been here 30 years, think about that guy out there for 30 years. Hadn't moved, nothing, just begging. Begging, I think other, uh, other translations say alms, money, so forth. What if he just busted in those doors right now, jumping and leaping? Look at what God has done to me. I mean, tell me that would not create some type of amazement and awe in all of us. The healing took place in public, and the crowd acknowledged it as a bona fide miracle. I've used Joy for all three services, so I'll use her again. So what if Joy and I were in here by ourselves, and God performed a miracle in her? It's just me that saw it. You might not even believe me. I hope you would. But you might be, ah, Bill, he's crazy. He's probably making it up. It's a good story. He's probably getting a laugh, whatever. But it's another thing that if joy were healed, something miraculous took place amongst all of us. Hard to deny that. They knew who he was. They knew his story. They walked by him many, many times every day for years. They most likely walked over him like he was a piece of trash. Honestly, people living in Galilee had seen Jesus perform miracles, but most likely the Jews in this area probably had not, not seen anything until now. My question to you all is, and to myself, you could put a mirror right here. Do you still stand in awe of what God's doing? Do you leap in the church, or are we dragging you in here to get you in here? Do you leap? Do you run? Do you walk? Are you excited to run in here and praise the Lord for what he is doing, what he has done in your life, what he continues to do, and what he will do? The miraculous healing of the man, of the lame man, causes excitement among the people since they recognized him as the crippled man who had been begging for years at the gate, they were amazed to see him walking and jumping. Are you ready to see that? Because that stuff's happening around us. We just sometimes have our blinders on, not realizing that, again, God is still in the miracle business. So let's move to verses 11 through 16. I'm going to read this through, and then I'm just going to hi highlight some points for you. So 11 through 16. While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran towards them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, Fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us? And though we had made him walk by our... As, as if we had... Uh, had him walk by our own power or, or godlessness. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you have handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Verse 16, by faith in his name, his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. 
so that the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. We see another indication of Peter and John being the church. They stood there. I kind of I picture them maybe with each other's arm out while this lame man stood and held on to them. Now remember, he hadn't walked for 40 years. Even though his feet were working, I'm sure there was a part of him that was like, what is going on? Like almost like a baby, you know, when a baby learns how to walk. I'm sure he was like, whoa. So he's holding on to them. They were being the church for him. So Peter's sermon at Pentecost, he had to refute drunkenness. Remember, they were saying to him, all oh, these people are drunk. That's why they're speaking this way. We see again where he has to refute because they think that Peter and John did it. And Peter's saying, no, 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 no. It is through Jesus how this happened. And he even says in verse 12, it wasn't us. Be amazed at Christ. The same God of your ancestors has glorified his servant in Jesus and is his servant. Jesus now has the power to do signs and wonders such as healing on the lame man. That healing shows us who Jesus is. That's what he was trying to do. He points out that what they did to Jesus when he was alive. Think about how they must have felt. You denied him. You didn't just deny him once. You denied him when Pilate tried to give him back. And you said, no, we don't want him. Give us the murderer. Now they see something done in his name. I would have been terrified. I denied who just did that. I denied the Holy One and so forth. Think about how they must have felt. So he talks about faith, faith in Jesus and all that his name brings. The focus is on Jesus' name and on faith imply, and, and the faith implies an appeal to the audience. What he's roughly saying to them is, you got it wrong multiple times. Here's your second chance, your third chance, your fourth chance. Please come to faith. Please this appeal leads to this, and it's our last verse in here, and I think it's important. It says, through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. So this word perfect, complete, I think it really leads us to believe that this man was not just changed with his feet, but changed a, a full heart transformation, which is why he runs into the temple. He encounters the living God, right? Okay. So Acts 3, 17 through 26 as we finish up our passage. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer Therefore, this is important in verse 19, therefore repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. That seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers and sisters. You must listen to everything he tells you. 
And everyone who does not listen to the prophet will be completely cut off from the people. And then our last verse is here. In addition, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those after him have also foretold of these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and all the families on the earth will be blessed through your offspring. And then 26, he really drives it home here. God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. That's the gospel, folks. That's why I say this, this passage preaches, preaches itself. Repent. Turn from your sin and so forth. Peter begins the second part of this sermon calling his Jewish listeners as brothers and sisters or, or my comrades or whatever, whatever your translation is saying. It's as if he's saying, I know you didn't know what you were doing before because he refers back to the leaders. So now's your time. It's your time to repent and turn towards our Savior. Don't get this wrong a second time. I, I could almost see him um, almost in frustration, almost like, be, you got to get it now. You might not have another opportunity. And then he talks about the prophets like Moses. He refers back to Samuel and other prophets and so forth. You are all the sons of those prophets. You are under the covenant that God made to your ancestors. And he ends it with this reminder again. God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your sins again. You messed this up many a times before. Repent and accept who he is. Now, so if we look at this whole passage as kind of a play, that's kind of the way I saw it. I kind of thought, I, I was like, okay, who are the major players here? So our main actor is Jesus, right? He is the focus of this passage from verse 1 down to verse 26. But there are three other kind of here supporting actors or groups. You have Peter and John. You have the beggar. And then you also have the crowd. Now, let me make it clear. I think Luke in his writing, Peter in his sermon have made much of Jesus. Messiah, son of God, refer to him as a servant. Jesus is the Messiah and exercises the power of the creator. Peter said it multiple times. It's not me. It's through his name. It's through who Jesus was. But those three other supporting actors and groups, I want you to be thinking about this. Which one are you? In the season you're in now, who are you? Are you Peter and John? Are you the beggar? The lame man? Or are you, the, or, or are you in the crowd? Most of us, I think we think we're Peter and John. But in reality... Most likely, we're the beggar in the crowd. So think about that beggar for a second. That beggar was doing the same thing over and over again, trying to fill their needs with worldly things. Give me money. Now think about it. Right outside the temple. Give me money, give me this, give me that. Worldly things. 
That lame man had no idea what he was getting ready to encounter. Right? I found myself in preparation for this sermon relating to that beggar. So some of you that know that, that go here know that I'm on a weight loss journey. I remember sitting on my bed about a year ago and saying to Michelle with tears in my eyes, total hopelessness. I guess I'm just going to be fat the rest of my life. I'm never going to be able to overcome this. And praise the Lord, soon to be 75, I've got on scale, hopefully 75 pounds later with some more to go. God is still in the miracle business. And he's not just in the miracle business, he's also in the removing hurdles business, right? I thought about that beggar. Day after day, doing the same thing, expecting a different result, where they say that's the sign of insanity, right? Are you the beggar? Are you ready as the beggar to encounter Jesus Christ? Okay? Now, maybe you're in the crowd. Maybe you're one that's denied Jesus for a long time. Maybe you've even been a believer in the crowd, walking by the beggar every day. Ministry, many ministry opportunities around you, and you're not even realizing it. Now, let me make something clear. I've said this multiple times. I'm not trying to convict you. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to think, are you ready? Okay? Think about that. So as believers, what we're called to do is to minister to others with the power of Jesus, just as the apostles did. We live in the power of Jesus Christ. Amen to that, right? Whether we are praying, teaching, sharing, fellowshipping, or simply walking throughout our day, we are connected to the power of Jesus Christ in all that we do. As we have experienced the miracle of repentance and salvation, we must trust God that the power of Jesus will reach other people through our words and actions. It is not the faith of Peter or the lame man who made the healing happen. It was because the power of Jesus Christ. I believe that. Hence why I was so excited to come here and preach. I meet so many people, and I'm not saying that I do it all the time either. It's not like I'm a champion of it. But I meet so many people that are just so defeated. Believers that are defeated. I'm not talking about hurt and pain. I'm talking about feeling defeated. You live in the power of Jesus Christ. Here's the key. The goal of Christian ministry is ultimately not the poor, the sick, the depressed, and the challenged are being helped, but that they can fully participate in the community of the people of God as believers who found true salvation and perfect healing in the name of Jesus Christ. So let me say it to you this way. I am not at all saying that we should not be praying for each other for healing. But our job 
is not to go out and heal the world. Our job is to go out and be the light in the darkness and pull them in, bring them to the, to the foot of the cross because Christ is who, who cures. Does that make sense? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be praying for each other for physical healing. We should be praying for each other for spiritual healing. Okay? There are going to be a lot of people, folks, a lot of people that are going to die. Cancer. We look at all the people that passed away during COVID and so forth and so on. Okay? It doesn't mean that they weren't already cured spiritually. You with me? Okay? If they gave their life to Christ and so forth. That's, again, that idea of perfect healing. We have to be careful. I think sometimes the church in general, the church, not just specifically WBC, we so often bring in all those prayer requests for healing, and we love them. We love praying for you all, but we love praying for spiritual healing. Okay? Are you ready to be praying that way? So here, here's your gospel response. So I got a couple bigger questions for you, and then I got four smaller things. So what is keeping you from being Peter and John? What hurdles are in your way? Only you know that. I know what my hurdles are. I don't like rejection. I'm a people pleaser. Okay? That's my struggle. So what's keeping you from being Peter and John? What's keeping you from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ? We should call it the great news of Jesus Christ because it's great, right? What's keeping you from doing that? Now, here's the things to think about. One, are you too comfortable? So I've found over the years, people would ask me about sin. I go, well, I struggle with my weight or this or that. But I've really kind of come to the feeling that or the end result that a lot of my issue is I have this sin of comfort. It's like my boys were sitting over here, and I looked at them and I said, don't touch the remote, don't touch the thermostat, right? Like my comfort, like it the way I like it, okay? So here's my question. Are you prepared, are you ready for God to make you uncomfortable? Are you living amongst the lost and the broken? Anybody go to work, right? You go to work? Guess what? You're living amongst the lost and the broken. God is providing you with ministry opportunities. Are you willing to come out of your comfort zone to be bold? Are you living with Jesus? It's not just folks about... Raising your hand one time at a, at a function, that sanctification process, that growing process. Are you living with him? Are you living in his power? Are you spending time with him? Are you walking alongside of him? And then lastly, are you ready? Look at what he did in this story. Look at what Jesus did in this story. People going about their day like a normal day, 
And Jesus entered in through the power of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to end with this story. So I went to the emissions last week. I had to do my emissions. Got my little whatever we get in the mail. Um, still don't understand that, but somebody could explain it to me later. Um, so I go to the emissions. Like, Lord, make this go quick. I got to get done. I've got to work on my sermon, so forth and so on. So I pull in. Um, he blessed me. Got in there nice and quick. Beautiful young lady comes up to me. Real sweet. She's like, how you doing, Mr. Brown? What can we help you with? Blah, blah, blah. And um, one thing led to another, and I told her, I said, I'm a pastor at a local church. I love telling people that because I either get the, they turn and walk away, or I get the, hey, can I talk to you about something? Sure. So she goes, can you pray for me? Ministry opportunity. Now listen to me. There's nothing I have done. Absolutely nothing. It's all of what God opened the door and provided for me. And I said, yeah, sure. How can I pray for you? And she goes, actually, I'm already a believer. What I'd like you to do is can you pray for some people for me? And I said, sure. What's going on? She goes, well, I had a lady here earlier this, this morning. She shared with me she had lost her daughter, uh, her son. Her son had died. It's like, whew. I mean, it's heavy. Then she shared some other opportunities of people I could be praying for. She goes, I'm sorry. I don't know their names. I said, it's okay. He knows their names. He knows the situation. So I just off the cuff said to her, do you get a lot of people coming through here to kind of share that? She goes, I can't tell you how many people in that five to eight minutes it takes me to do the test share their life with me. I said, man, that's awesome. I said, what if I set up a little stand outside off the property so the state of government, state of Maryland can't kick me off? What if I set up a little stand and you just sent people to me? She goes, I would love to do that. So I went, okay, Lord, what does that look like? So I started praying about it. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take a couple cases of water, put them on ice, free water, and if you need me to pray for you, I'm going to put a little sign there, and I'm going to sit out there for a couple hours one day this week. I'm going to make sure she's there, and I'm just going to sit out there. I don't know what the Lord's going to do, but I know this. I'm ready. I want you all to be ready. And I know you are. Who's got the Holy Spirit inside of them? Who's seen miraculous works done in your life? Who loves Jesus Christ? Ladies and gentlemen, you're ready. Get uncomfortable. You're ready. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you, and we just thank you, Lord, for your word. And Father, I... I I don't want to miss this, Father. Father, I was really getting dizzy after the last service. And Father, you just removed that. Whatever was going on in my head and in my ear, Father, you just removed that, Father. And I thank you for sustaining me this day and strengthening, strength, strengthening me. Father, you're still in the miracle business. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for this body of believers that are in front of me, Lord. Father, you have gifted them and given them talents. Father, you have built stories in their lives about how they have seen your goodness. Father, give them the strength and the boldness they need, Father, to advance your kingdom, Lord, and tell of the good news of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Father, would that be our passion this week, Father? Would our passion be, 
I'm ready, Lord. Send me. Thank you, Father. I love you. Thank you for what your son did on the cross for us. May we never, ever take that for granted, Father. In your holy name, amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.